0: Just send something out again that we mentioned last week on the podcast, but worth noting. um, I'm on Cameo now. So if you'd like to do something to help a cause, and who knows, maybe help one of your friends who, you know, digs me or whatever. um, Go to Cameo.com. The way it works is you pay a little bit of money. I think we charging 70. You pay $70. I make a video. Tell your friend, happy birthday. Tell your friend, whatever. Talk shit about your friend in his fantasy football league, whatever it is. You go ahead and do that, and we uh, send the proceeds to the Fine Foundation in North Carolina. It's a wonderful group, and what they do is they provide assistance to families who have children um, in the hospital, in Wake Med Hospital in Raleigh, at Duke Hospital in Durham, and at the UNC Hospital in Chapel Hill. It's a really good cause. My man Joey Powell is behind it. I am thrilled to be able to help them out, and I got to tell you, I'm a bit surprised people have actually been paying for me to do that shit like no lie like last when we get this up we got this up like monday or something like that like somewhere around there we actually got it going i want to say on oh, monday man we done had like a handful of people ask me to holler at their folks today wednesday as we say that and i just want to make a point about this i don't know if any of y'all have uh ever used cameo yourself i have used it um it is people really enjoy those things just so you know that like I'm not even doing this as like a broader advocate advertisement of the application I'm just telling you like I've done it a couple times and people really dig like when they get a cameo Pablo got me a uh, got me a cameo uh, from Ice-T for my birthday uh, I think it was last year but he came through good job you know what I'm saying um, but anyway down always hit you back like you'll get you you'll uh you'll do a cameo and they got like five days where it is to hit you back and then they just don't do it and i gotta say now that i'm a member the luscious member of this cameo network and i'll be the one that's recording these cameos i gotta look at those people with judgment man all you gotta do is hold the button down and talk for 30 seconds like as soon as it come in blah, bow, keep it going keep it moving it ain't really hard like what i'm really learning from this is it's a lot of lazy motherfuckers on cameo like, that's, 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 that's what I think is going down, man. It's a lot of lazy motherfuckers out here. They can't be bothered to even just hit that button right fast. You ain't, like, I ain't too big a fan of notifications on my phone, but I leave the Cameo open just in case, you know, you got a chance to, uh, what you call it, make somebody day. You don't want to make nobody day? I could call out some names, but I ain't going to do it. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying. Make somebody day. So we over there on Cameo. We out here uh, making days the dude in the chat room saying well you say that california is better than texas on my birthday for that same 70 dollars um you know it's funny i had not thought about the idea that maybe just maybe under some special circumstances i should charge somebody more that's a that's a buck 50 for you how you feel now my man here says you still have notifications on after watching the social dilemma i turned them all off immediately this is one thing i do not have a great handle on from everybody else is like how many notifications do you have on your phone because like there's some of them that i gotta keep you know like slack i use it just enough for work that i need the notifications because i don't use it enough for work to actually go check it all right so i'm gonna have that on like i think a lot of y'all probably got uh notifications on for like twitter and stuff like that my twitter profile has been for almost 10 years has been too unwieldy for me to have notifications of anything like that like i can't do that like instagram i don't really i don't need no notifications on that i ain't never been one that needed no notification because somebody else is putting up something like not that now like um i got like, I don't mean, I obviously you don't use an Uber too much anymore, but you gotta have notifications there. So, you know, the car coming or got canceled or whatever it is, like stuff like that. Like if I need the notification to use the app properly, then I will. And so for Cameo, of course I'm gonna have the notification on so that I can make your day or make your queen's day. I already got the first one in a request from a gentleman for me to say uh happy birthday to his queen and i'll leave that joke alone for right now not even a joke just an observation but for right now glad i could make a day anyway let us move on to your questions Why are so many journalists out here trying to defend Jeffrey Toobin? Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't have a great handle on just how many people are um, defending Tubin. Like, I really haven't been too interested in the larger, broader conversation on the topic. Because um, cause for who, for what? You know what I'm saying? Like not really been there. I did, however, um see the story that um yeah, I just saw a wild tweet, sorry. Um Tob, tubing, to- tubing. To- oh, the New York was it New York Daily News? I think the New York Daily News did a um ran an op ed that was about like basically why like we got all these things in the world that we can talk about but we cannot talk about masturbation. Like did anybody else see that? Cause I saw that story and I'm like, dude, we have reached a point in American society where like vibrators are mainstream. You know what I mean? Like, it's not you're not necessarily gonna like talk about vibrators at the Thanksgiving dinner table with your mom or anything like that. But I mean, like, you can make a joke with some innuendo about a vibrator, and everybody knows what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, this is just where we are. Like, we are not at a point where, like, the idea of masturbation is shamed. We are at a point, and I believe that we will remain at this point for a very long time where getting caught masturbating is a point of shame. That point is never going to go away. And that's before I add the prepositional phrase at your job. At your job, okay? Now, I want to make the point that I myself personally struggle just a little bit to understand or relate to the people who see that Jeffrey Tubin was caught masturbating on a Zoom call for work. Looks around, reads the room, and says, Hey! Somebody go get me my cape. I I can't speak for anybody else here. This is not the time that I would be willing to go and get my cape to save the day. When on the other side is literally everybody else. Like I say this as a person who's done a great deal of public argument in his life. And somebody who does less public argument than he used to because it's just not worth the stress. But even what I used to be for real out here duking it out with people on the internet. Nah, there's just some fights I just didn't really want any part of. Like, I look at the thing with tubing, and you know what? This gets back. What were we talking about last week? What did what, what I talk about with y'all last week? If you are on that social media, you are doing one of two things, inform or perform. Those are the two things, inform and perform. Those are the two things you're here to do. And I guess if, where I am in my life, in my career, I can't really perform on that topic in front of people. And I certainly don't have any information to offer. Therefore, I would leave it alone. But there are people who really sat up in their houses and broke out their word processing application and put out 800,000 words in the name of Jeffrey Tubin, getting caught masturbating at work. And that just would not be me. It just wouldn't. Now, I also have to admit that, like, I'm at a point in my life and in my career where I don't have to write about things that I don't care about. You know what I mean? Like, I just, like, I don't have to do that. I write about things that matter to me. And so I have to understand that some people need to write for this bread. Some people need to write for this money. And as a result of that, maybe you make some editorial decisions that you probably wouldn't otherwise because you need to check. Except, except. Let me see, because I, I did click on that link with the dude at the New York Daily News who tried to offer uh that defense. All right, so I read the article from the dude at the New York Daily News, and of course, the whole article ignores the whole at his job part. Like, I feel like even if you wanted to try to defend that dude, the game got rules, and those rules say that if you get caught like that, you're gonna lose your job. Like, that, that, uh, you can say that absent of any moral judgment like if you don't feel that you are in a position to judge Jeffrey Tubin morally for what he got caught doing that's fine but I think you got acknowledged like that's when he, that's how you lose your job that's just what it is but anyway this uh this story for the New York Daily News and this is the last paragraph all right and it says newsflash Tubin masturbates but I'm guessing that you do the same dear reader maybe you should stop feeling weird and guilty about that then we can all stop making fun of Jeffrey Tubin. And again, the reason that people are making fun of Jeffrey Tubin, I would contend, is not about a general idea of self gratification, but about the fact that he got caught doing it at work. Like, if I had just gone to he got caught doing it, that would have been enough explanation. That's before we add the at work part, okay? That's what got him in there. Get. You can say all that without judgment. So anyway, remember why I said I got to cut some slack to whoever wrote this because maybe they just need a freelance check. You ready for the, uh, the, the, you know, they put the thing at the bottom in the italics to describe the author? And it says in a quote, Zimmerman teaches education and history at the University of Pennsylvania. This man works at a, Ivy League institution and wrote a freelance column about that. So why are people defending him in that way? I don't really have a great idea handle on that. I do not. I do not know. Because I'm looking at that, and I'm just like, nah, 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 nah. This is just a good one to sit out. I don't even need to participate in the jokes. It's not a lot of winning to be done here. Let this one ride. And I say that as a person with no interest in defending him whatsoever. I'm going to take my credibility and I'm gonna put it on the table right now for Jeffrey Tubin. Now, there's another level to this Jeffrey Tubin thing. Okay. I don't know how much a lot of you know about Jeffrey Tubin, but Jeffrey Tubin wrote a book called The Run of His Life. And that book is what was adapted to do the FX American Crime Story season on O.J. Simpson. And if you ever check any interviews with Tubin about Simpson, like, he is very stridently moralistic in the terms that he uses while describing him, which I don't necessarily, like, I mean, he's talking about a dude that he believes killed a couple of people, so I can understand that, right? Like, I, I could get why he would... Feel that way. Can you imagine the look that came over OJ Simpson's face when he found out about this? And we have a pretty good handle on what OJ's face looked like when he came across this information. Because OJ Simpson did one of his Twitter videos about Jeffrey Toobin getting caught and made a reference to Pee Wee Herman and still closed it with, I'm just saying. It was a lot going on, man. 2020 bananas Anyway Appreciate the question Let's see what else we got going on here Is 50 cent the greatest grifter of all time. Alright. So. I gotta be honest with you. If you. In 2020. Get upset. As something. That 50 Cent. Puts on the, uh, on the internet. It is. Your own fault. Now, can we agree on that? If you get caught getting upset at 50, it's your fault. Look, 50 Cent, who is an actual rich man, looked up and saw that Biden won the tax at a 62% rate over $400,000. And that dude looked up and said, fuck it, I'm voting for Trump. Did you take that seriously? Like, did people really legitimately view that as an endorsement? Did you really think that? Because I did not. I thought that as somebody looking up and being like, oh, damn they coming for my money. Now, I don't want to discount the possibility that 50 cent would vote for Donald Trump because of this. Like, I think that is entirely possible. But I, did, I saw that when it happened, and I didn't take it seriously. Not one single bit. I did not. But let me tell you this. I had, you know, heard about Biden wanting to ramp up these taxes. But uh, it was not until 50 Cent told me that I realized that it was a rate of 62% over $400,000. And uh, let me tell you something. It's a good thing I didn't post nothing on the internet after I saw that. Y'all might have to cancel me too. Damn, 62 like, I see people on the internet make the point, point, it's fair. They're like, yo, it's your homeboy that make $35,000 that is the most upset about Biden talking about raising them taxes. You're right. It is your partner that make $35,000 that is the most upset about Biden ramping up them taxes. But let me tell you who's in second place. That's right. And I don't point fingers. I point thumbs. That is that that's a that's a pretty significant rate there, guys. <laughs> like uh like that ain't really gonna affect my decision making necessarily uh come election time, but I will tell you y'all all bad at fifty cent for what he said. I'm thinking 50 for the heads up. 62. Woo. And people are correct. People are correct. It's not 62 on everything. It's just 62 on every dollar over that 400. Yo, man, I live in New York. It's a little different now. Like making four hundred in Durham or making four hundred in Miami, going a lot longer than make a four hundred here. Like honestly, I feel like you should be able to get an exception if you make four hundred in New York and they talk about taxing you at sixty two percent. You should be able to file a waiver. Like yo, come on now, it costs different money to live in different places, baby. Sixty <laughs> two. I ain't going to lie to you. I I may have talked about this before. look, so this is the thing, right? We live in a society where it is like frowned upon really talking about your money. Understandably, like I get that. It's kind of frowned upon talking about your money. But a lot of y'all have been here with me for a long time. Like I'm never going to give you like no explicit dollar amounts or nothing like that. But on my end, I, I actually do think it's very important for me to be Hopefully not braggadocious, but absolutely like sincere about where I stand in the money game, right? And it's important to know because look, the way I got here is kind of some man of the people shit and I'm still a man of the people, but I don't be living that close to y'all no more. Like we being honest, like the game flipped up whole lot of y'all been listening to this so long. Y'all remember the day that I was doing radio from my house and they came to cut my water off and I had to go outside and be like, oh damn, my bad. I got you though. Just give me a couple minutes and I'll go ahead and send the money off. And the dude then told me that he loved my radio show and I said thank you and then I ran upstairs. Right? Like like y'all be like we go back. And so my life has changed in some ways in that intervening time period. And so like at first, when the game changes, you can like talk to people about it and everybody be kind of cool because it's brand new and it kinda feels like you won the lottery. You know what I mean? But I've been doing. I've been at that place now for a long time, where the novelty of it has largely worn off. So like something can happen. Like when I got that uh when I got that BMW M4 when I was in Miami. Like that was probably the last time that I could like really like put something like that up and people be like, "Oh damn, we made it." You know what I'm saying? Because after that, it's like, "Yeah, dog, we know we made it. You've been done told us. There ain't been so many ways that I can do that. It's just not." But I think that part of what is significant for a lot of you to understand like what my perspective is and all it is is where I've been and where I am. And so one thing that has definitely happened in the course of the last 10 years or so is there are a lot of things when it comes to like the idea of having money that I could talk about in theory before and now I could talk about an application and with all due respect, I know that makes people like make you perk up when you say with all due respect, but still. But with all due respect, like a lot of y'all are in a position to be like, I know what I would do if I had money, and you do not. And it's not a judgment of you for the fact that you do not have money, but I am now in a place where a lot of those what I would do's are places that I wound up. What would I, you know, what I would do? I'm now in that place, and I know where things are, whatever it is. And I will tell you this, and I mean this sincerely I consider myself to be a good dude. I consider myself to be a man of principle. I do. But I didn't really know whether or not that was true until after I started paying some of these high ass taxes. Like dog. They high. They 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 real high. Like the 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 one thing that you do generally or typically have going for you after you get to like having the high ass taxes that winds up making you feel okay is you don't look at your pay stub no more. Like you could, but you just don't look at it. Like it's just not, you understand what I'm saying? Like it just ain't the same thing. Like you don't, you don't really be looking at your pay stub. Like you used to look at your pay stub. You just don't do it. All right. Man, i had to go look at a pay stub last week man i looked at that year to date and i'm gonna just tell you right now you can't never question whether i mean what i say you can't never question whether or not i'm about it in my principles because if i had shown you that pay stub you would have got the gop elephant tattooed on your forehead not all of y'all, but some of y'all. Like, y'all have been down. Y'all have been right there. Like, hey, man, I really think they got something here. Small government is good government. Y'all would have been all on them beliefs. Like, absolutely. And like, the fact that I still stand tall on everything I thought after I started looking, after I looked at that pay stub, I am the man that I purport myself to be to you, ladies and gentlemen. I am here. We are on the same team, even if we don't live in the same neighborhood. And if I may be honest, I'm paying for a lot of the shit y'all are getting too. Maybe not a lot of it, but I'm paying for some shit for a lot of people. I am, I am. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. And by the way, I'm glad that y'all are in here laughing. Like I imagine, there's somebody that probably got a little disappointed or a little nervous hearing me talk about that. But it makes me feel good that we have engendered and developed a level of community that even after all these years, I can tell y'all something like that, and y'all still laugh with me. You know what I mean? Like, like these are these are those are the things that are actually very, very important to me. That I can still be able to like talk to y'all about what some of these things are. Because one thing I can't tell you is. Ain't a whole lot of people you can talk to about getting money. Like what it's like to have it and all that stuff. Ain't nobody trying to hear that. Ain't nobody trying to hear it at all. So, appreciate you. All right. Appreciate the question. See what the next one is. Cardi Cardi B deleted her Twitter due to backlash for taking offset back. How do you draw the line for giving the public too much of your personal life? (laughs) he said how do i draw the line from giving the public too much of my personal life as if i give you any of my personal life this i'll tell you about that like what you talking about there And I think we also may have talked about this before um, in that when I started doing this, I started doing it small. And the way that I did it was I kicked it with every I kicked it with all y'all like y'all were my friends. You know, like there were years where I would sit up at my parents house and be like, yo, I'll call you and tell you Merry Christmas. And people would just call and I would just call from my parents phone and just tell people Merry Christmas. Like it was small. It was an intimate in that sort of way where I could do that sort of thing. Um, Now I'd never, I'd never in this like social media era been too much about giving you my life, but I would give you like places I would go on vacation, um, just kind of things that I was doing during the day and stuff like that. Like I, I, I made an effort. It was very important to me in those times to express and explain to people how similar I was to them. Especially when it's like I was on TV or I'm on the radio, but I'm making thirty like I'm making thirty nine thousand dollars a year. I was forty three or something like that. You know what I mean? But like my I think that when you when you do broadcast stuff, it's easy for people to see you as being like outsized. And I wanted people to know very much that nah, I'm really kicking it like y'all. And the truth is in a lot of ways I'm still kicking it like y'all. Like you talk to people who see me places in New York or whatever it is, you probably go see me somewhere that you be. You know, like, like my shit is regular. I'm taking a certain measure of pride in that, but my shit is regular, you know. um. But some different things happen at different points with that. And I had to realize that I had to take some of that back. Like it just, I just really got to a point where I realized that like, I wasn't just among friends anymore. I just, I mean, that wasn't what it was. I just wasn't among friends anymore. My friends were there, but that's not who most of the people were. Most of the people were strangers. I don't give a damn about strangers. I had no need to notify people about any of that stuff. I didn't. And so, I mean, you'll notice, like, I don't really give you nothing anymore. I give you what I think, but that's about it. But I think with people, generally speaking, and this does not simply apply to celebrities. This applies to everybody else. Once you let people in your business, they decide when to leave. Like hey, they in your business, you come downstairs, sure I'm tired. Think it's about time for me to get some sleep. And they'd be like, cool, I'll be here when you get back. Just go watch some TV. You know, like that's, that's what it's going to be. Once you let them in, you cannot put them out. And so for her, I actually give her credit for going the whole way of taking down the Twitter account because really that's the only way to, that's the only way you're going to be able to make it work. That was it. But once you let them in, you know, that's where they are. They ain't going nowhere. So, yeah, it's only fair. If the only way that I can kick you out is to keep you out, then all y'all going to be out. (laughs) Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Effectively, it seems the U.S. has become a bunch of regional government, state governments with varying effectiveness. With inability to upgrade crumbling infrastructure, provide services, et cetera, at the federal level, do you fall in line with folks calling the United States a failed state? I think going as far as to call it a failed state, I mean, there's an argument for it. The reason I picked up on this is I just wanted to offer you something that a professor of mine in graduate school used to make. And I can't remember what year he said that this happened, but as I recall, it was at some time in the 20th century. Um, But he, he notes it is a very important moment. It is an inflection point that is underrated because people don't really think of government in these terms, like in these very technical sorts of terms. But for him, that inflection point is, they when people referred like use the united states in a sentence there was a time where the sentence would go the united states are and then at some point in the 20th century it became the united states is you understand the difference you see what i'm saying It's whether you looked at the United States as one body or whether you looked at the United States as a group, a collection, almost a confederation of states. And so I make that point simply to say that where you say it seems the United States has become a bunch of regional state governments. That is actually what the United States has been before. Um, There is a theoretical idea that perhaps that is better. I'm not as versed in those arguments as I used to be, but you can make a theoretical argument that that is better. But I would say that what what you see or what you describe has always, in a lot of ways, been a hallmark um, of this country. But if we are going back to what the states used to be, I mean, it all depends on what, what kind of used to be that we're talking about, right? There's also something... I believe I'm getting this right. Forgive me. I haven't like, really brought some of these concepts on the road in almost 20 years. But I believe there was something called the Tebow model. T-I-E-B-O-U-L-T, I believe is how it was spelled. But basically, the, it was around this idea of like having, the, having a federal country, like the one that we have, and having these different states as they were. There was a value in having these different states as such that it would encourage a certain level of competition and that you needed a certain measure of flexibility for those states because what each state needed was different. So, for example, gambling was legal in Nevada at a time where gambling was not really legal anywhere else. And the general ethos and spirit of Nevada is some real kind of Wild Wild West quasi-criminal type stuff. Well, okay, if you are Nevada... How are you getting anybody to live here? Who are the people that you are going to attract to do that? Now, of course, in their case, it meant some mob money coming in bills, casinos, you know, some shaky stuff, whatever it was. But the idea, theoretically, at the very least, is sound that Nevada needs for gambling to be legal in a way that is different than why it is these other places would prefer that it not be legal. You know, they needed to be legal cuz what else could we possibly do with this place and there you go from there and so the value in the model of having states is to have some like flexibility in that way to allow states to get some stuff done the thing is that's st- the differences in the states or the way that they're it's not manifesting itself in these very technical ways. It's, van- it's manifesting itself in a way in culture wars. And so it was one thing when the culture war was basically North versus South. But that's not, that's not really what it is anymore. You know, it's not really that game. And so I don't know how all of these ideas like ultimately reconcile themselves. But I just thought that some of you would find it very interesting to talk about the idea of the United States is versus the United States are. All right, appreciate the question. Let's see what we got here. Do you think black men are more concerned with better access to patriarchy than it being dismantled? Number one, yes. I do think black men are more concerned uh, with better access to patriarchy than it being dismantled. Um, In much the same way that I think white women, generally speaking, are more concerned with better access to like the top of the racism pyramid than they are to see it being dismantled. I don't really think it's a very complex thought that people who have the ability to benefit from a hierarchical structure would want to uphold that hierarchical structure. This isn't a revolutionary idea. In fact, it's pretty obvious. Yes, I believe that is true. Now what? You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so what do you want to talk about now? I don't think there's anything really to say beyond that. Like, yeah, that is the case. Like, one thing I've noticed that there's, like, a segment of people on the Internet um, who somehow, like, it's, it's fairly, like, radical revolutionary types to the left who say that they believe that I defend capitalism too much. And I'm like, I'm not sure exactly where you're going to find me being a defender of capitalism. How much of that you guys see? Like I don't I don't really see myself as being that person. However, one thing I am I believe the way that I look at it, something I am self-aware about is the fact that where I stand on like the class ladder is pretty high up here like on one level i can come out here and tell you how terrible capitalism is like there's arguments to be made i could do that and i'm doing that with a rolex on right like i gotta be i can't there's only but so many ways that i can go about this sincerely in being like raging against the machine while profiting pretty significantly off of it you understand what I'm saying like I can't really I can't really do that or or at the very least I think it's best to say that that definitely leaves me compromised in a certain way and so I'm, I am I am someone who is aware of that and so the way that I approach these topics has to come with this understanding of where I am um, in all of it you feel me? But I'll tell you this. I done seen a whole lot of people who hated all this stuff until they got some bread. Then all of a sudden, they see the whole world differently. It's actually a pretty fun story. I'll tell you about this. So my dad came to visit me um, my last year in Miami and lived in two different places in Miami, but I was here for the view. I was here for the beach. Like, I was here for that. And I just remember my dad came in. You know, my dad bought it, bought it when it comes to these things. I remember my dad came in and looked around. It was standing out on the balcony looking out, and he came back in, and he says, you know, I might have to rethink uh, some of my views of the ruling class. <laughs> now, of course, he was, like, largely joking, largely largely you know what i mean so what i think generally is people want to come up if you're a woman and you want to come up your come up is going to require dismantling the patriarchy in order to do it like that's what it's going to be if you're a man and you try to come up you know what has demonstrated itself to be a pretty good come up patriarchy so of course in the aggregate, like the median black man is probably more concerned with better access to the patriarchy. Of course. Yeah. There's nothing controversial about this statement. There's also nothing profound about like noticing it. (laughs) You don't say, okay, that's what it's going to be. Now, are these dudes wrong for that? Yeah. Are they talking about supporting something that is inherently unfair? Absolutely. Just don't give me any platitudes about the stuff. Does that make sense? Oh, here goes somebody. One of these questions. Hey, Bo, if you had to put a concert together, what would you be your lineup? Four performance lineup. One opener, two midliners, and a closer. You can mix genres. And then he tells me his four, like I give a fuck about your concert. Oh my God, your concert is awful. Bodie James, Brian McKnight, Jay-Z, and Earthwind and Fire? I'm going to put it on the screen so y'all can look at it. This dude want me to play a concert off the top of my head to put next to this. I can only assume that Brian Douglas is a first-time even Jones listener. Well, Brian had a better question. Did the tax bracket change you as a person, aside from the lifestyle? I don't think so. I mean, it might have, right? Um, but at least I, I don't think so. I mean, I probably have changed just because people change. But I don't think the tax bracket changed, did it? I tell you, the one thing that I realized, though, very quickly when I got money, and I realized it very early, and this is an important thing, I think, for a lot of you guys to keep in mind, and I don't blame you if you'd be like, well, I still want to try it, about having money, is... It will not make you a single bit happier. It may give you relief. It may give you comfort. It may put you in positions of luxury. It will not make you one iota happier. yo know, Corey, how much do you care about this patriarchy topic all right do you think there is an attempt to gaslight black man into voting for a particular party because black men want to be more concerned with patriarchy what the hell is that what are you talking about like i'm gonna just tell you this right now Corey. if you're gonna put out there your full three names and a junior do better by your pops before you with, with some of these questions you ain't got to bring him into this you gotta just claim this for yourself What about your trip to Paris helped New Orleans make sense? Oh, I came to realize in New Orleans, y'all ain't lazy. You're just French. That's number one. It's just a very decadent lifestyle that the French live. And New Orleans decadence mirrors that one. Along with a fairly leisurely work ethic that is not in line with like the Puritanic capitalism of the rest of this country. And anybody in this room that's been to both Paris and New Orleans, tell me I'm lying. All right, I think I got one or two more left in me. Let's see what we got. Rudy Giuliani doesn't survive this Borat clip, right? Um, who does Rudy Giuliani work for? Given who he works for, do you think that this would be a disqualifying um, situation? Just ask yourself that question. If his current boss is not in the same situation in a couple of weeks that he is in right now, then Rudy was going to be done. If his current boss stays in the situation that he's in, then Rudy's going to be fine. Nothing, no outcome will change based on that video. Have you seen this debate about whether Martin was a colorist show? Hell, I actually think I started this debate a few years ago. I don't know if I would say that it is a colorist show per se. I am just telling you, whether it was playful or otherwise, there is not a world where a woman as attractive as Pam is light-skinned and a significant part of the joking on the show is about how ugly she is that ain't happening it's not and so where I think you start getting into discussions of colorism get to like Martin's fascination from the house party set about having Tisha Campbell as being the lead of the show and all of these things like look man that was at a point in time where yeah the light-skinned girl was going to be the lead on this show the light-skinned girl is the one that is pretty just by definition of just by being the light-skinned girl but that's less about martin being a colorist show than this being a colorist society like it was more a reflection but again i have no problem saying this and this is real i've said this on twitter before and people thought i was reaching but i was not reaching only in a world of colorism are we going to be out here talking about how ugly pam was only And I ask you this, can you think of a show with the ugly friend and the ugly friend was a light-skinned girl? Can you think of it? If you can't, then this discussion settled itself. But all right, ladies and gentlemen, Thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. Try to do this thing about once a week. My man, Lance Gilliam, handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe to Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. You can also find us at the Google Play Store. Um, I'll talk to you guys in a couple of days or next week or something. Take it easy.